This morning I'd like us to turn in our Bibles to the book of Leviticus again. We're in Leviticus uh, this morning. We're going to be a little bit in Leviticus this uh, uh, for the main service. <clears throat> Leviticus chapter 24. Leviticus chapter 24. <clears throat> and in Leviticus chapter 24... We've been seeing various different th- elements of uh, Christ in the book of Leviticus, Christ in the feasts and some of the laws, uh, the duties of uh, a Levite, uh, and very, very applicable things to us today. And I want us to see something very specific in this first part of the book of Leviticus 24. In verse 1, it says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Command the children of Israel that they bring unto thee pure oil, olive beaten for the light to cause the lamps to burn continually. Let's go ahead and pray and we'll get started this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, again, I want to thank you for what you've done for us. I want to thank you again for the sacrifice that you did upon the cross for our sins. Lord, the resurrection to defeat sin and death that we may have eternal life through you. And Lord, I just pray that as we look at this this morning, as believers, um, as uh, those that have uh, trusted you as uh, our, our Savior, that, Lord, we would clearly understand what we are seeing. We clearly understand the purpose and the intent behind light and a burning lamp. And, Lord, I just pray that you would just be with me this morning and speak through me, that this time would be pleasing and glorifying and honoring unto you. And Lord, again, I just thank you for those that are here, and I pray for those that could not be, that Lord, you'd heal them up and bring them back to us safely, that Lord, we can again be together, fellowship, as a, as a congregation, Lord, loving one another because of how much you've loved us. Thank you again, Lord, for all that you've done. And this I ask in your son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. So Leviticus chapter 24, we see that part of the nation of Israel's requirements and the Levites, the priests, was to make sure that the lamp that was in the tabernacle, the lamp that was going to be in the temple, was continually lit. It never went out. It was supposed to be on all the time. There was a certain type of oil that they were supposed to be using. They weren't supposed to mess around with the type of oil. Uh, It's very clear here that uh, the type that he wanted, uh, specifically a very uh, 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 an olive oil that was beaten and it was pure. So the purpose that it would be uh, um, have that that form of oil that would be able to burn constantly and burn long and burn bright. And, and, and we, we, we find that he even mentions this over in Exodus chapter 27. He mentions the same thing, talking about that they needed to prepare these lamps. They needed to prepare these for the purpose of lighting those things that were in the temple, making sure that they were available, uh, making sure that they were to be seen. All of this that we see. In verse 3, here he says, Without the veil of the testimony in the tabernacle of the congregation shall Aaron uh, order it from the even unto the morning before the Lord continually. It shall be a statute for forever in your generations. You shall order the lamps upon the pure candlestick before the Lord continually. And we see it's related to those candlesticks, those ones that would hold light. And that was the purpose of the candlestick was to, to hold that light, to hold that light forth, to put it out there when it's dark, 
And he says, from evening in the morning, this thing is supposed to constantly be burning. It's going to be, if you will, as he said here, a, a, a statute, something that they could always go back to, something that they could always see, and it's supposed to be for every generation. No generation was supposed to go through life without this light. No generation was supposed to go through without having this lamp lit for that purpose. I want us to go over the book of Matthew now. Matthew chapter 5. If you know a little bit about Matthew chapter 5, you know here he is talking about the Beatitudes, talking about those things that are... Uh, um, uh, that he wants Israel to wind up doing and some promises that are included there. And here we find that when he's talking to the nation of Israel, he's talking to them specifically to do something. In, in, in Matthew chapter 5, here he says in verse 14, You're the light of the world. The city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick... And he giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So what we find here is Israel is to be this continual, (coughs) pardon me, continual light in the world. The world is in darkness. The world was in darkness then. The world is, is struggling with sin. During this time, it's struggling with sin now. There's supposed to be a continual light that would draw men towards it. That would draw men towards seeing those things of God. Seeing what God was doing with the nation of Israel. Seeing what God was doing in their life. So that the nation of Israel could point and say, you know who the one true God is? Baal is not. Baal Peor is not. All of these other gods that are out there, they are not. But the one God that is, the one true God, is our Lord. They were to point the nation, the nations towards God. This was what they were supposed to be doing. This is why he's saying, look, you're not supposed to go out there and hide the light. You're not supposed to diminish the light. You're not supposed to quench it in any way, shape, or form. Israel's, it was to be that continual light to the world. Now again, that light that they were showing, that light that they were putting forth, that light that, that, that uh, was to be uh, to those men and women that would see that was the light of God, the light of Christ. And the light himself should have been shown in the nation of Israel. The, the 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 light him you know he himself being called the light he he very clearly is called that in John chapter one and we find that he says that, that that he's supposed to be the light of the world he's out there he's saying nation of Israel you're supposed to be taking that light and you're supposed to be holding it forth you're supposed to be having that lamp and to go out there and show the world. Where the true path to God is. We understand that the the word of God itself is light. Turn, if you will, over to the book of Psalms. In the book of Psalms, and specifically Psalm chapter 18, 
Psalm chapter 18. Here's the psalmist makes a statement that uh, I I think is probably one of the, the best statements ever made. Verse 28, he says, For thou wilt light my candle. Lord my God will enlighten my darkness. We know who lights that candle. We know very specifically where the light comes from. We know that it is of God. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, He said, God said, let there be light. Light in this world. He was intending that from the very beginning. He was intending that there would be light that would show men and reveal God to them. Hence the necessity of Jesus Christ. Hence the necessity of His Word. Hence the necessity, if you will, of the oil of those lamps, the Holy Spirit. The necessity. We know that over in the psalmist says in, in chapter 119, verse 105, thy word is, is what? A lamp and a light. A lamp and a light. The idea behind this is that God is always going to provide that light. In the, for the nation of Israel, this is what he desired. And in typology, we see that lamp that was to be lit. It was to be there continually for every generation. It was never supposed to go out. Turn back over there to, to John, the book of John, John chapter 8. I'd reference John chapter 1, but I want us to see in John chapter 8 something. <clears throat> when it comes to this light, we find very clearly that he's talking about himself. In John chapter 8, John chapter 8, <clears throat> verse 12, Then Jesus sp- uh, spake again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me should not, shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. The light of life. Mankind today walks around in a lot of darkness. They don't know where to go. They don't know what to do. They don't know their purpose. They don't know what lies ahead. They don't know what lies behind. They don't know what's on the right hand or on the left where their feet are going or what's above them. But when the light of God comes into a person's life, they begin to understand. They understand what happened in the past in history and how it shows God. How it reveals Him. They understand the future about what is to come and how it again will reveal Christ and reveal who He is. They understand what is right and what is wrong. They understand where their feet are going and what direction and path they are. And they understand that God's above and that they need to please Him and honor Him because He sees it. He watches it. And we look at this and we begin to understand this concept of what Jesus Christ is saying and where He says, I am, which again just angered the Jews because they only knew God as the great I am. And here He is saying, I am. I am the light of the world. I am the bread of life. He's saying that I am the door, I am the great shepherd, the chief shepherd. I He goes through an I am, I am. That angered them because he was saying I am. 
And they didn't receive him as God. They didn't receive him as Christ. They didn't receive him as the one that they were looking for. Why? Because it didn't match their agenda. Didn't match their humanistic elevation of themselves. Didn't, didn't match that. Turn a couple of chapters over to chapter 12 of the book of John. John chapter 12. A little while later, Jesus Christ says this in verse 46. John 12, 46. I am, there he is again. I am come a light into the world that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. He again is revealing himself. So when he tells the nation of Israel, you're a light, he's saying, you need to bear my witness. You need to show what I've done. You need to reveal who God is in your life. And as a believer, we can take these things and we can clearly say, this is what we should be doing. We're children of light. This should be our same goal. This should be our same thought. This should be what we we want to do. But herein lies the problem. While we're in the book of John, turn back to John chapter 3. John chapter 3. You know, Jesus Christ makes it clear here uh, in, in John 3.17 that he hasn't come to condemn the world. Well, where does the condemnation come from then? Verse 19. And this is the condemnation. That light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. The rejection of God. The rejection of Christ. The nation of Israel rejected God and chose other gods. They rejected God and chose themselves. They rejected everything about Him. His word, His judgments, His statutes, His precepts, His laws, His commandments. They rejected all of it to fulfill their own desires, to puff up their own flesh, to try to, if you will, light their own path. But what God's saying here is He's saying this is the condemnation. What condemns men and women to hell? Rejecting God. Rejecting Him. Saying, no, I want nothing to do with you, God. Just like Romans when he says they knew God, but they didn't like to retain God in their knowledge. They changed Him into a different image. They made God the way they wanted to make God. Not the way God is and the way that God told them He was and is today. Therein is the condemnation. But at some point in time, in a very sad scenario over in 1 Samuel, and if you turn to 1 Samuel chapter 3, we find something happened with the nation of Israel. 1 Samuel chapter 3, And we find that uh, in verse 7, Now Samuel, he was a judge in the nation of Israel. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. Why? He was a young man. Neither was the word of the Lord yet revealed unto him. And part of the reason why 
is because there was, in verse 1, no open vision. The word of the Lord was precious in those days. Why? Because it was coming so infrequently. Because it was being received so infrequently. God had stopped talking because Israel had stopped listening. And we go down through here and we see that what had happened in verse 3, and it says in air, the lamp of God went out in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was, and Samuel was laid down to sleep. You know what Israel was? Israel was in darkness. They let the light go out. It wasn't burning continually. So when it disappears, there's a problem. So in 1 Samuel 3.3, we find that God has very clearly pointed out nation of Israel's issue. The light of God is no longer with them. The light of God is no longer on the candlestick. The light of God is no longer being shown in their life. And if you read the rest of the passage, you see how horrible and despicable Eli, the high priest's sons, were in exercising judgment that was for them, bribes and all sorts of other debauchery that went on, And the nation of Israel is in a difficult place. It's very much at the end of the book of Judges and everyone was doing that which was right in their own eyes. They weren't doing what was right in the eyes of God. So the light had gone out. Nobody cared that the light had gone out. Eli was getting up there in age. He couldn't see. Nobody decided to step up and say, well, somebody needs to keep the lights on. Somebody needs to keep the light on. You know, Israel had done some neglecting. I don't know. Like I said, I have a vivid imagination and I can just imagine there is that lamp that's on that candlestick. And light just keeps getting dimmer and dimmer because that oil is no longer there. And pretty soon that oil is all gone. And that little flame that's just struggling to hold on is finally a little whiff of smoke. And it goes out. That which was supposed to be kept on and and supposed to be on forever was now gone. They had, they had lost it. They had neglected. Israel neglected the lamp that was there. Israel neglected the things of God. Israel neglected the oil and to put that in to, to, to the lamp. Israel had neglected the fire to keep it lit so that it would continually provide that light. They had neglected that light in that they needed that to be, again, right there with the covenant, that ark that was in front of them. They had neglected that light that was necessary to see where they were going. Which means, you know what? They neglected the Word of God. In, in, in Psalms chapter 119, 105, Word is a, a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. They neglected that. They had neglected what God said, because obviously it was precious in those days, but it wasn't precious enough to keep the lights on. 
It wasn't precious enough to do that which God had asked him and God had commanded. They neglected the word, and you know what happens? They neglected God. They neglected God. You know, over there in the book of Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 3, it talks about, you know, believers, and it talks about neglecting the salvation. Neglecting salvation. You realize that if we've trusted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, that He is dwelling in us according to scriptures. We are the temple of the Holy Ghost. He's in us. We are in Him. That light is supposed to be freely shining. He says we are temples, right? We're supposed to be thoroughly furnished unto good works, right? The temple had furnishings. It had an altar. had a laver to wash. had an incense, an altar of incense. had candlesticks. had table, a showbread. had the Ark of Testimony, Ark of Covenant. Had this lamp that was in there that was supposed to be lit the whole time, all the time, and never to be put out. All of these things that we see very clearly, God is outlined and God has said they're supposed to be there. So if we as believers are to be mirroring something like that in our life, where is the light of God in us? Are we showing it forth? Do we reveal who God is? At some point in time, that veil was torn and everybody could see the ark of God. Is that light showing who God is, revealing who He is, revealing Him as a Savior, revealing Him as a God that gave of Himself for our sins, revealing Him as as a God that has the power of resurrection and rose again on the third day to conquer sin and conquer death so that we might be able to receive Him and have eternal life through Him? Do we reveal that? You know that light sometimes goes out? Needs to be lit again. Nation of Israel obviously let it go out. I want you to turn to the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 20. Proverbs chapter 20. You know what one of the main necessities for light is? It reveals the path of God. It reveals who He is. But I want you to see very clearly what God does with this light in verse 27. Proverbs chapter 27, or excuse me, Proverbs chapter 20, verse 27. says, the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the belly. You know, God gave you a spirit, gave you a body, he gave you a soul, he gave you a spirit. And the purpose with that spirit that is in you, that is life, is to come and to show you and reveal all those inward parts. To hold a candle into the darkest corner. To reveal where the cobwebs are. To reveal where the sin is hiding. To reveal where maybe we're not doing what God said we're supposed to do. Maybe we're only doing it 99% of the time, 99% of the way, with 99% of what we think are godly results. When God says, I want you to do it all for me. 
It does an inward search. It does something that's supposed to reveal that in our life. I'll tell you this, you know, one other thing that's very important to understand about this is you go over to Proverbs 31 and it talks about the virtuous woman. A lot of people talk about the virtuous woman over there in in verse 8. It says that her candle doesn't go out. Proverbs 31.8, it says her candle doesn't go out. Why is that? Because she's constantly wanting to demonstrate God in her life, and she's constantly using that light to reflect back into her and see where she is. Where she is with God. Where she is in her life. Where she is in her relationship. Tell you this, you're looking for a spouse, you want a spouse that does that. You want a spouse that does that. You want one that is going to clearly have that desire to show God in every area of their life. And the candle doesn't go out. It's not diminished. It's not hidden. Purpose behind that light is to be, is to be seen. Luke 8 talks about what a light is meant to do in verse 16. In Luke 8 and 16, talks about the light that is being shown, the light that is to be seen. Our light is never meant to be hid. Our light isn't supposed to be covered. We're supposed to be that light that shows, just like the nation of Israel is. And why is that? Because if you go to Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 8, it says, if you've trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are a child of light. I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter 5. I want you to see that just for a moment. Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5 and in verse 8. We're not children of disobedience any longer. We're not to be partakers with them. In verse 80, he says, For ye were sometimes darkness, but now ye are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Jumping down to verse 10, what is that proving? What is acceptable unto the Lord? Your life is supposed to be a light that shows and proves what's acceptable unto God. Not acceptable under societal standards. Well, why is that? Because societal standards change. We've all lived through it. I was born in the 70s, grew up in the 70s. I had bell bottoms. I had long hair as a child. I had long golden flowing locks down to here. I'll show you the picture sometime. My mom did not want to cut my hair because she's like, oh, it's so beautiful. Natural big curls too. Yeah, it's not now. (laughs) Now it's mostly white. (laughs) If I was to let it grow long, I'd look like one of those judges over in England, the barristers. They've got all those big, you know, the wings. That was what I'd look like. Not not a good look for me, right? But I'll tell you this, we've all been through what the society puts, went through the 80s, camouflage and parachute pants. 
You know, I didn't have any headbands or uh, uh, what do they call those things? Leg warmers. Yeah, praise God. <laughs> I didn't have that. Society standards change, right? God never changes. God's standard never changes. And the standard is, is to always show what's acceptable to God. You know what's acceptable to God? His Son, Jesus Christ. Which is why we need Him as our Savior. Because our works, our righteousness isn't going to cut it. It's filthy rags. When we try to do what is right without God, we're just, we're just taking a dirty rag and we're wiping up another dirty mess. And we're just smearing the dirt around. It's our duty as Christians to be children of light, to prove what God wants, to show the will of God. Turn to the book of Romans, Romans 13. Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13, and it says, The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. Let us put on the armor of light. When we, when we reveal what God is has done in our lives, reveal that salvation that we have, that is an amazing thing. Now, I'll tell you this. You, you back up another verse there, and he says in verse 11 of Romans 13, and that knowing the time, that now it is high time to wake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. What salvation is he talking about? You gotta remember, you go through scripture, you see different types of salvation. He told the nation of Israel to stand, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. What was that? That Israel was going to be saved from the Egyptians at the Red Sea. Here, this salvation that he's talking about is the fact that we would be with Jesus Christ one day with a glorified body. That we would be with him. We'd be saved from this body of the flesh, right? We're not there now. Our flesh still is frail. You wake up this morning and roll over and groan. You wake up this morning and rub your face and go, oh man, I need some coffee. You wake up this morning and go, oh, that's new. That's a new pain. That's a new feeling. <clears throat> wake up, a body part falls off. You're like, oh. yeah, that's good. Get over there, pick it, put it back on. Get the duct tape because that fixes everything. Our bodies, they're not saved. Our souls are saved. They're saved from death, the punishment of sin. They're saved from an eternal torment in a lake of fire. Praise God for that. But our bodies still got a little ways to go. They still got a little ways to go. One day we will have that body. And praise the Lord for it. But here he's saying, look, until that happens, you know what we need to do? We need to be walking around as light bearers. 
We need to be walking around with an armor of light that shows that and demonstrates that. Well, where where do we get our armor of God over in Ephesians chapter 6? We get it from the Word of God. Faith, truth, peace, sword of the Spirit. Where is all that coming from? The Word of God. The Word of God. That's what we put on every single day. That's why he says, Thy word have I hidden my heart that I might not sin against thee. To demonstrate and continue to bear that light. Here we are in the book of Romans. Go over a couple of books to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. In verse 6 it says, For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of uh, the glory of God in the face of Christ. And what does he say? He says, this is what we're supposed to do. We receive that light that he's shown. He's revealed it in our lives. He's revealed that we have sin and we need forgiveness of it because we can't get into into heaven with that sin, that that's been removed, that it's gone, that it's no longer there. He then goes on to talk about how how we are vessels. And yes, we're earthen vessels because this is all this is, is dust and clay. But what are we supposed to do? Be a vessel that bears light. Be a light-bearing vessel. Be one that shows exactly what has happened in our life about this light and what this light did for us. And what this light can do for our world today. I want you to again turn over a couple more books to the book of Philippians. In Philippians chapter 2. <clears throat> Philippians chapter 2. All these verses are necessary for the conclusion of this matter. Philippians chapter 2. I'm just going to read verse 14 because it's always a good verse. Do all things without murmurings and disputings. That's a good memory verse. That's a good memory verse. Why? Verse 15. That you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life. Right there, verse 14, 15, 16, he says, here, here, here's, here's, here's a duty, Christian. As a child of the light, you're supposed to be that light in the lost and dying world. You're supposed to be a light that's out there amongst all those pr- crooked and perverse nations. I love the nation that God has put me in. I was born in the United States of America. I am very thankful for that. But I will tell you, as I look upon our nation, I'm very concerned and I see a lot of crookedness and I see a lot of perverseness. And you know what that means? I'm supposed to be a light. I'm supposed to shine forth. And as I go and I be, if you will, that light that shines forth, I hold out the light of the Word of God and I say, you need this. You want to fix crime? You need this. 
You want to fix your economy? You need this. You want to, you, 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 you want to fix corruption in government? Fire them all and get this. <laughs> Vote them all out. <laughs> but you understand what I'm saying? We need this light. As a Christian, as a person that has received that light already, I'm supposed to be holding this out. Not only do I hold it out to a world that needs it, but I hold it out to to men and women that are believers as well. Because maybe their light is dimming a little bit. Maybe the oil's been neglected. Maybe the fire's been neglected. Maybe I need to come in and say, hey, you need to get a little bit more light in your temple. You need a little bit more light in your life. As believers, we do that with each other, encouraging and edifying. Because I'll tell you this, we live in a day and age where the lights are beginning to go out. Turn over to the book of Revelation. You know, you, you, you read those seven, or about those seven churches in the book of Revelation, the first part. Some of them are good. Some of them got great idea, you know, a great idea about what they're supposed to be doing. Some of them, like the church at Laodicea, not so much. What, what are they saying? They're rich and in need of nothing. But what are they? Poor, wretched, blind, and naked. God says that they were hot or cold. And because they're neither, and there's this lukewarm, yeah, he spits them out. But you realize that Laodicea wasn't the one that was condemned about their light? It was Ephesus. It was Ephesus that loved God, that started out loving the Lord. Somewhere along the lines, they lost it. They lost their first love. In Revelation chapter 2 and in verse 1, it says, under the church of, uh, excuse me, under the angel of the church of Ephesus, right. These things saith he uh, holdeth the seven stars in the right hand who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. Each one of these churches, by the way, is supposed to be representing light. Why? Because he calls them candlesticks. They're supposed to be bearing the light of Christ. And I will tell you this. It's very much matching up with exactly what Israel was supposed to be doing. And here in verse 2, he says, I know thy works, and thy labor, and thy patience, and how thou cannot bear them which are evil, and how thou tried them which say they are apostles, and are not, and have found them liars. And is born and has patience, and for my name's sake hath labored and hath not fainted. He's like, you guys are doing good. But in verse four, nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. You know what happened? They began to love their works more than they began to love God. In verse five, he says, remember therefore from whence thou art fallen and repent and do the first works. Or else I will come to thee quickly and remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. Whoa. God's like, you're doing it all wrong. And if I need to, I'll snuff that light out. I'll take it away from you. I'll remove it. 
And that light won't be there for you anymore. And I can't help to think back at 1 Samuel 3.3. The lamp of God in the, t- in the tabernacle went out. Just like Ephesus here. Ow. <clears throat> Just like Ephesus. Just like Israel. Just like many that we've seen before. We as believers are supposed to be this. You realize that that was the ministry that Paul had when he was over there in Acts chapter 26 and he's recounting what happened. He said and very clearly that God told him that he was to be a light unto the Gentiles. A light unto the Gentiles. He was supposed to show them Christ. Now he loved the nation of Israel. Why? Because he was a Jew. He wanted to see them saved. He says that very clearly in the book of Romans. But they were blind. They were struggling. They couldn't see. Why? Because the light had gone out. The light had gone out. I want to turn to one more passage of Scripture. 1 John. 1 John, chapter 1. Right there in Revelation, just go over a few more books. You're right there. First John. Not the Gospel of John, but First John. <clears throat> and in First John chapter 1, in First John chapter 1, there is a lot of stuff packed in there. But one thing that is very clear is this in verse 5. Then this is the message we have heard of Him. Talking about God. Talking about Christ. Talking about what are the message that John heard from Jesus. And declare unto you that God is life, and in Him is no darkness at all. You want to know where the light source comes from? God. You want to know where the light is supposed to be in our life? It comes from the Word of God. Allowing the Holy Spirit to work in us. That we would shine forth everything that God's done for you. God's done some wonderful things in my life. First and foremost, He saved my soul. He saved me from a pit of of, uh, of fire. He saved me from uh, uh, death, the second death. Forever parted uh, from, from God Himself in torment. He saved me from that. And praise God for it. But He saved me unto something. you got to remember this. When you're saved from something, you are saved unto something. And he, he saved me and ordained me unto good works. And you know what that is? That's so that I would go around and I would tell how great is my Savior. How great is my Savior. This is the light that we have, folks. This is the light that we can shine forth. If we're living according to the Word of God, and we are walking in the Spirit, and we are led of the Spirit, and He's showing us, and He's teaching us, and we're growing, and that lamp is growing brighter and brighter and brighter, as the more we show God, the more we reveal Christ to a world that needs it, somebody's going to say, hey, what's that light over there? 
and be drawn to it. Now they have a choice. They can always reject that light. They can always turn away from that light. But I'll make it very clear. As a believer, you've already received that light. Don't let that witness go out. Don't stop revealing God in every decision you make, in every action you take, in every word you say, in every thought that you have. Don't let the light go out. In Leviticus, they were to keep the lights on. He made it very clear. It wasn't supposed to go out. Let's not be like Israel. Praise God, God still got a lot of grace towards them and got a lot of mercy towards them. He's still going to use them. He's still fulfilling His promises. He's still holding true to the covenant. He's got to do a little purging with them. He's got to do some correction. And eventually that's coming. But right now, God says, I'm going to use some ragtag Gentiles. Some Gentiles that really didn't know the difference between their right hand and their left, as he said to the Ninevites. I'm going to use them to hold forth that word of life. That light that a lost and dying world needs to see. Don't let the light go out, folks. Don't let it be quenched. Don't let it diminish in any way, in shape, and form. Don't neglect it. Let your light so forth shine. Let's stand for a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, again, I thank you for the time that you've given to us. I thank you again for just this message that we see revealed in the book of Leviticus about our light, about the light that you are. And how that light should never go out. And Lord, I pray that we would all purpose in our hearts this morning. Purpose in our hearts, Lord, that we would not let the light go out. We wouldn't neglect it. We wouldn't let it burn out. But Lord, it would be continued to be supplied with that oil of your spirit. That it would burn brightly. That that light that you give to us, Lord that our candle would solely be lit by you. I thank you again, Lord, for all that you've done for us. I pray, Lord, that as we conclude this service with song, that, Lord, we praise your name because of how great a God you are to us, how merciful, how caring, how gracious, and how loving you are. May we have that in our thought. I ask and pray this in your Son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen.